Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. It's great to have you here again, listening to the podcast. My special guest uh, joining me today is Tori Kinlick. Um, He's the director of marketing at Leadspace. Tori, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So people can't see it right now, but you have a lot of uh, sports memorabilia on, on the back wall there. So are you, if you had to eliminate one sport forever, and it would either be MLB baseball or NFL, like you could never watch it, you could never go to another game, which one do you think it would be? Oh man, that's a, that's a tough choice. Um, I guess, uh, I guess if I had to make the choice, I, I would, I would get rid of baseball. Um, oh, no, yeah, just no, saying no, that, you can't do uh, that to me. <laughs> yeah, just saying that, uh, it makes me cringe, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've just been a, a diehard Eagles fan since I was a kid. I've, I, um, yeah, I, I, I probably shaped the person that I am today by, uh, going to a ton of games at veteran stadium as a, as a young kid. So for, for better, or for worse, that, that shaped the person that I am today. Before we jump into the podcast here, I'm curious, you obviously held out a very long time for a championship. Um, what was that like living near Philly when uh, they, they ended up winning the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, so I'll be clear, we didn't hold out. We wanted a championship. Uh, it just never <laughs> came. And, and so, um, yeah, it was it was incredible. It was it was easily one of the best days of my life seeing them win and uh, even better getting to go to the parade and, and celebrate with uh, That's fun. with everyone. I. I can remember about two times in my life that I've been walking through Philadelphia and every single person had a smile on their face. And it was in, um, it was when the Phillies won the world series and when the Eagles won the super bowl. Uh, other than that, I think that the whole city of brotherly love is, um, maybe not <laughs> quite so accurate all the time, but, uh, but on, on those two days, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was something special. That's funny. So if I ever start a sports podcast, I'm going to invite you on. We'll just have sports talk. All right. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. I think we could probably fill up a couple hours. That's right. Well, awesome, man. Um, so let's dive into what we have planned today, which is we'll, we'll shift to marketing podcast now. Um, so something you, you believe is we should, as marketers, we need to stop wasting time and energy on these broad communication slash ad tactics, um, like display advertising and automated email nurture programs. So can you start us off as to why we need to stop wasting time and energy on those? I mean, simply put, um, I think they're ineffective. Uh, that's, that's probably the, the number one reason. Um, I, I mean, I'll throw the caveat out there that, you know, these, uh, you know, my, my line of thinking probably does not apply to all marketers at, at all size companies. So, for instance, you know, things like email nurture programs, they can make a lot of sense for product led growth companies or for really large organizations with, um, you know, hundreds of marketers and, and sellers and, and hundreds of inbound leads coming in every day and a lot of different, you know, uh, precisely managed touch points. I don't think that that's the scenario that most of us are working within. And so um, too often we're looking at the large companies out there and saying, okay, you know, that's, that's best practice. That's what I need to be doing. Uh, and I spent years doing that, working at, at large companies, by the way. Um, and, and what I found over time was that just the trade-off, right? The, the amount of time that we were spending, uh, 
updating, analyzing, optimizing things like email nurture programs versus what actually came from them. Um, it just, you know, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. And, and I think, you know, uh, in more recent years, I've been working at smaller companies where um, opportunity cost really comes into play. And so the time that you would ideally spend uh, building out these email nurture programs and updating them and, and figuring out the lead scoring, um, it's just it's just not worth all the all the resources that that go into it versus um, you know what what comes out of it and and I, I don't think that people really buy in a way that um, you know email nurture would would suggest that they do uh, mm -hmm. and that's in a very linear fashion with display advertising. Um, you know, display has been around for a long time, right? And, and I think that there was a point in time where there were probably decent click-through rates that were coming from tactics like this. Uh, not so much as of late. And I think that there are, are far superior ways to be spending your, your paid media budget, number one, than display advertising. Um, but the, the other thing is that, you know, the, the targeting is just kind of junk when it comes to display. Um, I think with ABM, a lot of the different providers out there really started focusing on IP uh, targeting for display advertising and suggesting that, hey, this is a great way to get in front of your, your, your target clients and measure their engagement. But the reality is uh, people don't click and convert on display ads. Um, it's, it's not an approach that, uh, that is, is going to lead to a, a lot of conversions. And um, I, I can't think of a time in my entire life where I clicked on a display ad and thought, boy, you know, I'm glad I clicked on this. It's usually an accident, number one. Uh, but yeah. number two, you know, it's just it's not something that um, that that uh, is a good use to spend. And, and it's not something that's that's really going to create a uh, much of a, a quality user experience for, for people, um, you know, just by showing them a display ad and, and trying to count it as as an engagement, uh, you know, when, when looking at a, a collective account, like on so many of these account-based marketing platforms. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm curious, what would you think, what do you think companies should do with these email addresses that they have? Because obviously the traditional, this is how we've always done email nurtures just isn't really working. You just get marked as spam. You, immediately you're going to be sent to the junk folder. Um, and it's just not the same. Like if, if companies were creating value in the email, do you think that that would be a different approach or is that just as much of a wasted effort? No, I don't think it's a wasted effort, right? The, the, I mean, you know, value, it's all relative, right? I, I think if, if we're being honest with ourselves about the value that we're creating and, and it is truly valuable for the, the reader, then sure, by all means, have at it, continue using email. It's, uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. cost effective, it's, it's direct. Um, but I think where, where the challenge has come up over the years has been that, uh, you know, people are purchasing lists and, and doing spray and pray email marketing, yeah. um, using it as a way to drive lead scores up. And, um, and, and, you know, it's just not, um, it's not a responsible thing to do with, with someone's contact information. Uh, now, it, it a little bit of a different story if you've got, you know, formal opt-in programs and someone has explicitly said, yes, I wanna hear from you. Uh, and this is the type of communications I wanna get from you. This is the type of content I wanna see. Um, you know, that's, that's fine. And, and you absolutely should be using email in approaches like that. But uh, I, I don't think that, that most companies are, are, are utilizing email that way. I think that most mm -hmm. times people are, are, you know, creating some type of uh, lead magnet to collect email addresses so that they can drop them into an automated cadence. And at the end of the cadence, they say, hey, sales or SDRs, you know, this person just went through our nurture program. So time to give them a call. 
And guess mm -hmm. what? You know, uh, nothing happens with the lead. It's not actually a lead. And more than anything, it creates a, a, a poor dynamic between sales and marketing when, when those are the type of, of leads that, that you're passing your, your sales counterparts. Mm -hmm. Something we do, um, and I've been called out for it, is we will put the link. I'll just, I'll, I'll post something on LinkedIn, for example, and I will put the link to our, to sign up for our email list in the comments. And I'll just say, hey, like, if you actually like this content, you're welcome to subscribe. We send out stuff every week and you can, so you don't have to see it on LinkedIn all the time just in case you miss it. Right. And I also preach that LinkedIn isn't where you go and try to get leads. Right. So, and then, and then I'll put that link in the bottom of that post. And I've had people come to me and say, why would you put this in the bottom of a post that you're talking about leads? And I was just like, well, I never would even consider someone that signs up for our email list as a lead. Exactly. They're like way below their subscriber. Like they are just telling me they would like more content because we don't sell to them in emails. And it's a totally different approach than other people. All we put in our email is some marketing content. And then we, we tell them, Hey, this is the podcast episode that came out this week. And it's like, if you change your focus from trying to sell to them and just offer value and they're not a lead because they're definitely not going to buy anytime soon, or if at all, and just get that out of your mind, then you're kind of setting yourself up, right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's, you know, that's so refreshing to hear, right? That's to me, that's the right responsible way to be using a channel like like email. It's, you know, it, it is direct and, and gets sent to a person's inbox. And if they have signaled that they want to receive that email, um, there's probably not too many better and more cost-effective ways to deliver information. Uh, and it's so as long as you're you're delivering information, you're helping them, you know, uh, in their day to day or giving them some type of tips and tricks or content, something that will be a legitimate takeaway for them and not just a, um, almost like clickbait, right, to get them to click on something that's going to add them to a cadence or, 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 or raise some type of flag in, in your CRM for, for, you know, a sales outreach. As long as, mm -hmm. as you're, you're, you know, using the, the platform responsibly, then, um, then yeah, I think email works just fine. But um, what I found over the years is that more often than not, people are not using those, those things responsibly. And, um, and I think it's, it's led to, uh, you know, people just deleting everything that comes into their inbox. And, and so, you know, why spend a ton of time on, on a tactic that's just not going to resonate, not going to land. There's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of other things you could do instead. Why do you think it's taken so long for companies to move on from that? Because I think it is, it's still preached. I don't, I mean, by a number of people like, Hey, get them into a nurture campaign and it's yeah. the cadence. And then you, you send them to sales. Why do you think that's still something that's so prevalent in B2B marketing? Um, one of the reasons could be that, you know, the marketing automation platforms, um, you know, are, are kind of you know, they're a little bit of a, a blessing and a curse, right? They, mm -hmm. they, um, they could be very effective. Uh, and, and I'm sure in, in many companies, many instances, they, they are very effective. But um, I, I think that there's a lot of marketers out there that have seen these really big marketing automation platforms, and it's just table stakes at their company. They know that they, they have to have it as a line item in their budget because their predecessor did, or because they had it at their last company. Uh, but only when you, you realize that there's a, a better way, um, there's, there's different things that you can be doing instead of email, uh, that's what really, you know, can kind of open up a person's eyes to say, all right, you know, maybe I was over indexing on this specific channel. Um, maybe uh, the results that, that I'm looking at, like email opens and very cosmetic metrics um, are not the end all be all. 
And, um, and there's, you know, there's, there's different ways to, to deliver content uh, and, and, you know, and, and people are going to be much more receptive to it. Mm -hmm. So what are those other ways? What are some ideas that, that you have, maybe you guys are implementing that uh, kind of spreads your resources out instead of, I mean, <laughs> probably not spending all this time on, on these email nurtures and, and yeah. follow-ups and stuff frees up a lot of resources. So where should we put, be putting those? Yeah, I like to I like to use paid social to distribute content. Um, I think that uh, you know, as long as as you take into account the platform that that you know that you're on um, when you're building out your 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 strategy, uh, I think that that you know uh, using LinkedIn or or Facebook or Instagram to to deliver content to your audience. Um, to me, it's a, it's a better way than, than, than email more often than not. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily require you to get that, that formal opt-in. Um, you're not necessarily going to be looked at as an annoyance or hit a spam filter, um, you know, for, for people that, that your ad might not necessarily be intended for, but, um, it's, it's also a great way to, um, you know, to, to, to really build out that, that audience faster. Uh, there's, there's a lot, um, I, I, I prefer the approach of using, uh, of using paid social to to really expand my 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 um, my audience and and get my content in front of more people than let's say uh, using an, an email program that we might have had to purchase data to to really um, you know build out the the target list for whereas with um, you know with with things like paid social like Facebook uh, all the different types of targeting that's available on Facebook LinkedIn um, you know the 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 targeting is is excellent. Uh, and so using platforms like that and, and putting a little bit of budget behind it, I, I think is a, a, a great way to do it. Um, and then, you know, I, I think more recently, a lot of the, the I guess, the rise of personal branding, right, um, where you have individuals at a company that can also act as a, a kind of an amplification arm or, a, you know, a, a way to distribute content. That's extremely effective as well. I, I find myself uh, absorbing content and, and, you know, even landing on someone's website by um, just scrolling through LinkedIn and engaging with other people much more frequently than I would if I get a cold email from someone and, um, you know, and uh, even if it's got a, 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 catchy, a catchy headline or something, I'm, I'm usually going to delete that. Whereas, um, you know, on LinkedIn, I, I think I'm much more, much more open to, um, to checking things out. That's just my, my frame of mind. And my, my frame of mind in my inbox is, is always trying to get to inbox zero. And so that, that doesn't exactly uh, bode well for anyone that's trying to gain my attention in that, that particular real estate. So I'm a big fan of the, the second option there where it's building the personal brand, uh, whether you're the CEO or even some executives and even lo lower management below that, just people in the company, right? Um, so let's say that you have a company doing that really well and you haven't put any money behind like the paid side of advertising just because you're getting so much organic reach. How do you scale that up from the paid side. So do you take, um, and this is going to sound really amateur, but I'm just, an example, like boost a post on Facebook or repurpose like a post that the CEO put out and then distribute that on LinkedIn paid? Like what are some options there? Or is it, you know, you, you create a case study and then you, you publish that. What are some ideas for companies that are already killing it organically and want to put some budget behind it? Yeah, I think that's that's a. I mean, it's a great position to be in. First of all, if if you're able to 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 generate that kind of of traction um, organically without having to put a ton of money behind it, then then definitely keep doing that. Uh, but I think if you are looking to really branch out from there, yeah, one of the recommendations that that you had there, I think, is is an interesting one, right? So if you have an organic post that's that's getting you know some love. 
um, you can boost that post and, and when, uh, you know, you can still use that same level of targeting, um, just mm -hmm. like you would for creating something net new. Uh, but the benefit of it is that, you know, people see that previous engagement that happened and, um, and, you know, I think it's just kind of human nature. We, we gravitate towards those things that our, our, our peers are, um, you know, already kind of validating for us. We're, we're, you know, like, we're kind of like, uh pack animals right uh <laughs> human beings we we just um we we see other people doing something and we want to kind of figure out what all the buzz is about and so mm -hmm. uh yeah that that can be a tactic a, a very cost effective one um that that could help you kind of branch out from just um pure organic but i think that uh you know there's um the, the, the challenge with, with trying to, to move from organic to, to paid is really uh, oftentimes that you're going from the, the personal, the single voice, um, and, and you know, if you're using paid more often than not, it's coming from a brand. And, um, and just like you know, an email that comes from a brand, a lot of times those things are just not gonna land quite as well. So I think you have to be very, very careful. Um, and what I mentioned before about really keeping in mind the channel that you're on, uh, you know, I think that that's extremely important. So on Facebook, you know, people go to Facebook to watch cat videos and check up on their relatives and see what's going on. And so I wouldn't necessarily want to run a metrics focused case study, um, you know, uh, on, on, on Facebook. Um, but if I did have something that had a little bit of humor to it, or that was a little bit more um, entertaining than, than educational, that's a great way to get a little bit of exposure for your brand and, and pull someone, you know, uh, off of that platform and onto your website um, and, and give them, you know, uh, a, a, a couple other options for, for different things that, that they might want to check out from, um, you know, from your site, from your brand. So, see, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it, but uh, I would say at a high level, you know, if, if you're having success with organic, um, don't be so quick to jump ship on that one. I, I would say try to, yeah. you know, get all the all the blood out of that stone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't say jump ship, but you can definitely put some some budget behind it and amplify it, right? It's not one or the other. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so for example, uh, so Refine Labs is someone I follow. So Chris Walker, Refine Labs, they do a really good job on their company page, right? And they're getting a lot of organic engagement. Um, so what would you say to them if they're like trying to boost, like they're, they want to get more reach, they want to expand their brand. You're just saying, pick a piece of content that has already done well and amplify it more, almost get the, almost get like the proof that it's working organically and then repurpose that somehow somewhere else or give it some money behind it right there? That's that's one way to do it. I think with, um, you know, with with Refine Labs and, and Chris Walker in particular, um, you could, uh, I mean, number one, I don't think he needs to, he needs to, to boost any <laughs> He really folks. doesn't. He, he's yeah. got incredible reach as it is. But uh, I think the, the actual value there for a company, you know, in a, a similar but maybe lesser position would be um, really just taking a look at, at what the makeup of those posts were from the individual. Mm -hmm. Why was it that they, they uh, generated so much engagement and reach and see if there's different things that you can do to try to replicate that, um, you know, at the, at the brand level, uh, you know, and, and use paid to, to then, you know, push that out and, and amplify mm -hmm. it. So, um, you know, the, uh, I, I joined Leadspace not too long ago, but um, we really, you know, we just made some hires and, and we are kind of digging into our, our social media uh, approach, our, our organic social media specifically. And, um, and so one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to do is really 
put out posts uh, in a uh, in a way that you know that that I would from from my own handle, right? And and that mm -hmm. means that I'm not trying to drive someone off of LinkedIn, you know, and and to my website. Um, I'm trying to give them value right there in the in the in the copy in the the actual mm -hmm. post itself. Uh, just the same way that so many people are are doing every day on LinkedIn really trying to mimic that from the, the brand perspective. And, and from what I gather from the Refine Labs team, it seems that they're taking a somewhat similar approach that, you know, that, that their CEO is taking, which is trying to provide as much value as possible right there in the mm -hmm. post itself. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say that, that anything that happens over at Refine Labs is, uh, is, is done without a lot of, of forethought, but um, it does make me wonder, you know, uh, when you've got so many people on that team that, um, that do have such, such great reach and, and audiences, um, you know, what, what benefit are they really getting out of, out of, you know, using their, uh, their actual, you know, uh, company handle for, for, yeah. for, um, for posting? I'd be, I'd be curious to learn about that. So it's something we are experimenting with right now because I have a decent size following. It's not anywhere near Chris's or anyone massive on LinkedIn, but it has generated like a lot of demand for what we do and a lot of inbound requests. Um, and it's been great. So I am experimenting right now with a company page just to see like people are familiar with me, but I would also like them to be familiar with our brand. So we it's we're at like 350 followers right now. So it's nothing pretty, but it's kind of fun to start something from scratch to see, okay, no one else is really doing company pages well and offering value in them. It's more of a, uh, hey, this is our, our most recent blog post. Here's the link. And it's not value that you can actually get directly from LinkedIn without leaving. And we're trying to do something a little different. Um, and not many people do it. So I'll have to report back on, on what we find on that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what else I, I think that's probably going to be really interesting for you in all of that is... Um, so I noticed this when I when I went from working at a large company to a smaller one, and it's just that you feel the the impact of your your marketing and and what you're doing at the smaller companies when you have less of a following, yeah. when you have less brand awareness, you you can see and feel exactly what works as soon as it as it goes out, um, or what's not working. Conversely, right? You know, you mm -hmm. can tell pretty quickly. Uh, when you've got a really big following or, or when you work for a really big company, um, you don't know exactly if your specific lever that you're working on, if the one that you pulled is the one that's that's getting traction and, and helping you get <laughs> yeah. engagement. Whereas, you know, in the position where you're in right now of, of really almost trying to kind of like uh, maybe bootstrap it isn't the, the, the mm -hmm. right word, but um, build it from the ground up. Uh, I, I'm sure that that you've got a much better sense of which of those posts and topics and subject matters are are really impactful from your your company page versus the one that you have now that you know you likely have some some people that follow you there's some level of allegiance there and and people are just going to kind of engage with what you say and post no matter what or how good it is um mm -hmm. whereas you know when you look at it on the the total opposite end of the spectrum uh only the stuff that's valuable and, and resonates is, is going to get any type of engagement. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, uh, maybe, maybe just a different way to kind of test some things out for your, uh, yeah, for sure. your team there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you brought something up uh, a little bit ago and I forgot what I was going to mention about it, but it was really interesting. So you had said, um, there's a lot of social proof behind seeing a lot of likes on a post and <laughs> I'm going to sound terrible, but I am a hundred percent the same way. So I'll be scrolling LinkedIn and really not paying attention, right? And I'll see something with a lot of likes and I'll it'll catch my attention and I'll scroll back and be like, oh, what was that? Obviously a lot of people are interested in it and I would have skipped past it if I hadn't seen like the social interaction from other people. Um, 
and it's it's actually it's like a a thing. I forget what book it's from. Uh, maybe Influence, I think, is the book that I read okay. that in. That that's actually a thing, like the social proof. And you brought up like maybe you see like a post do well already, right? And then you can repackage that and turn it into something else because you have the proof. And then either boost that and give it some more like visibility, some more people see, and then they're going to obviously see the engagement. Or you have proof that it's going to work. But that was an interesting point you brought up about hey, an audience and the likes really actually do attract people because I've heard like, oh, likes are just this vanity metric and, and comments. And to an extent, I really I really do agree. Like you shouldn't chase them, but they are a scroll stopper. And like, sure. obviously engagement is a good thing, especially in a platform like LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. There's the obvious dopamine hit that comes with getting a bunch of engagement on, on any of your posts, right? But then... <laughs> Um, the the actual benefit that can come from it is is if you can find a way to to channel it, use it to your advantage, and and I think that that's why um, really that's why boosted posts on on you know on LinkedIn can be effective is is for that exact reason. You know, people see that and they're like, oh, okay, that's got my attention. Uh, it wasn't the the copy um, or or necessarily the image that got their attention. It was likely you know uh, that some of their their friends or followers had had engaged with it, or that yeah. um, you know a hundred or even a thousand people had had engaged with it. Um, that that for whatever reason is is probably gonna you know catch people's attention a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So why do you believe reach and frequency actually don't help you win in marketing? So it, it dive into that for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, now more than ever, it's all about knowing your your ICP, right? And mm -hmm. and um, the more you know about your customer, about who they are, about where they are, about what they care about, um, the the better your your marketing material is going to be. And uh, and and I think when you're especially as it relates to things like um, you know display advertising and and email nurture, where we started this conversation, uh, too often people are really focused on like. Um, you know, the, the, the reach and frequency of those, of those platforms, but, um, you know, there's, uh, creating targeted campaigns with, with targeted specific content. Uh, it's just a much better approach. You're going to get much better results. The people that are going to see your ads, um, are, you know, there's a much higher chance that they're going to resonate and, and, and convert. And so, um, just by looking at things like, how many impressions you know uh, I, I got on this specific campaign? Um, it's it's silly and and it's and it's and it's wasteful. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas you know if you if you really do know your ICP inside and out um, and and use it you know uh, kind of understand you know what they care about and build content around those things and then distribute that content to a smaller group of people that you know it's going to resonate with that's a much more effective way to be doing marketing. And, and so, um, yeah, like I said before, same caveat goes to, sure, there's companies out there that have massive, massive budgets and they might have a person whose sole job is to run display advertising at that company. They're probably mm -hmm. way better at it than I'll ever be. However, um, for the rest of us out here who are, are really trying to kind of wear a lot of hats and, and, um, you know, and, and run profitable campaigns, um, I, I think that, you know, reach and frequency is just not what it's all about. And, and instead, mm -hmm. people should be focused on, you know, ICP marketing and, um, and producing content that is specific to their unique needs and challenges within that ICP. And, and that's a much better way to get exposure about, you know, who your brand is than by, let's say, someone accidentally, you know, clicking two inches to the left and, and you know, accidentally engaging with your, your display ad. 
Yeah. Um, so we don't do any paid advertising for what we do, but we do obviously spend a lot of time on LinkedIn organic, um, posting content. Right. And one of the things that I have said is I, if I were to post a post and I got 10 likes, but they were a hundred percent, like my perfect buyer, our ICP, I would be more happy with that than a post that got a thousand likes from no one I even know or would ever buy from us. It it might look great to have the second one, but the first one is more effective. And honestly, I go through every piece of content that we've put out and just kind of get a feel for who's in the comments and who's engaging with the post. And it really does dictate the direction that I go with content down the road. Because if I notice, you know what, not many people that I would want to engage with this are engaging. I wonder why, like maybe this isn't something that's valuable to them. And you get like a pulse for what actually is wanted by your ICP you're just going to create way better content down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're talking about qualitative data versus quantitative data yeah. and, mm-hmm. and sure there's, there's value of both of them and there's a ton of value when, when combining them. But um, a lot of times that qualitative data can, can provide way more insights uh, because, you know, if there is just a few people on there and they are within your ICP and you're seeing the things that, you know, uh, like their actual feedback on it versus let's just say looking at a dashboard, um, mm-hmm. You know, there's so much more that you can take away from that. And, uh, and you know that, you know, you've, you've made some type of impact on that person. And oh, by the way, there's a much better chance that something like that will, um, you know, uh, will, will get shared, you know, within your, your ICP um, than, you know, uh, than, than otherwise than, than using a, a much more broad-based tactic. No one's, no one's taking screenshots of uh, display ads and sending it to their colleagues like, wow, look at how cool this display ad is. We got to do something like this. It's just- That's actually really true. That may, I mean, you see, for example, if someone posts something on Twitter that is really just insightful for marketing, people screenshot it and they share it on LinkedIn. Um, vice versa, if you find something on LinkedIn that's just really helpful, really educational, you're going to save it. But like you said, they're not going to be doing that when you're bleeding money into display ads in a nurture right. campaign that offers no value. So how exactly. are you actually going to yeah. be remembered if you if that's what your whole goal is, then you're approaching it all wrong, right? Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've got a, a swipe file that, you know, because right, yeah. my, I, we, there's a ton of, of great marketers. People are way better at this than I am. And I love to, to borrow their ideas. Um, and so I'm constantly screenshotting things and, and, you know, I use Trello for my, my swipe file. And so I'm just constantly adding things to there. I can, you know, I, I can't tell you how many different screenshots and files are in there, but I can say with certainty that there is not a single screenshot of a display ad in there. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just not something that, that is, is on my radar. And, and, you know, maybe I'm only speaking for myself here, but I have a feeling that, that most people feel the same way. Those display ads are just, are just noise around, you know, whatever, whatever piece of content that you're actually looking for and, and reading, um, you know, on, on a, on a webpage. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, so would you consider yourself when it comes to, uh, to content and marketing in general, shooting for overall quality instead of quantity with everything that you do? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and uh, especially so, you know, uh, ever since I, I moved into, um, you know, the startup scale up space a couple years ago, uh, you know, I think quantity, um, even if I, uh, especially as it pertains to content, let's say, even if I wanted to produce a, a, a huge volume of content, um, I likely wouldn't be able to, not internally at least. Um, you know, shopping it out is certainly an option, but I guess, you know, you kind of get what you pay for there. And, and you know, if you've got people producing content about your 
your offering that don't really know it well, um, your clients and your your customers are, are going to see that. You know, mm -hmm. it, it'll be it'll be pretty pretty thin um, as far as the the actual value in a in a piece of content like that. So yeah, yeah, I think I'm kind of middle ground with it because. I, I do, I do, so I keep going back to LinkedIn because it's pretty much all that we do, right? Um, I love putting out quantity, right? But it has to be quality. So if you can get to that threshold where you can actually continue to do both, and by quantity, I mean like a post a day. I'm not talking about three or four because then it would really take a dip and that's more than we can handle, right? But we found like a sweet spot in one post on a company page. And then what I do is one post on my personal and to some people, that's like a lot of quantity, but I know that that is the threshold that I have for getting that out there. And I think if you kind of sit back and go, where is the threshold of, we want to get as much out as we can, but we don't want to bite off more than we can chew where we see like a dip in quality. Um, I guess that's like a good line to, to find and internally discuss, right? Yeah, yeah. You certainly don't want to pick one or the other, right? You don't want to only mm -hmm. be producing a piece of content every quarter because you're doing so much research and and you know everything has to be picture perfect and and um, uh, you know and then when you kind of swing the pendulum the other way, uh, you know the um, if you're if you're producing so much content with regularity that you're starting to sacrifice quality. That's not good either, right? So, so yeah, I, I think you're right that the 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 right mix is is somewhere in the middle there. But I don't think I am right in the middle. I, I probably do err more on the side of of quality over quantity. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think the situation that that maybe my company is in is is a little bit different in that you know I, I think that the the people that we market and sell to, who are oftentimes marketing operations, sales operations. Um, I find that the content that they benefit from the most is, is very, um, you know, uh, it's very tactical. It's very granular. Um, you know, the, the, the more often than not, they're going to their respective communities and their peers um, to, to get kind of tips on, on how to handle something. And so if I'm producing content that I would want them to, you know, get the same level of value from, um, I, I need to be, you know, I need to be on my game and I need to be able to, to make sure that I'm, I'm speaking their language. Uh, and, and that's not always an easy thing to do. So, um, you know, producing content on a daily basis um, with the small team that I have, not in the realm of possibilities, but, um, but you know, again, I also don't want to spend several months creating a, a piece because, even if it is great, um, how much value is someone actually going to get from it? So, so yeah, I think that finding that that right balance, uh, and it sounds like you've definitely done some testing in that in that space. Um, you know, that's that's the answer. I, I don't think that there is kind of a one size fits all approach that um, is going to work for everyone. It's interesting though. It seems like if you were to err on one side, I 100% agree. Like, okay, scale it back and focus on the quality um, more than anything because. There are plenty of other areas you can just get in front of people uh, in a quantity basis. Like it doesn't have to be content um, that you've worked hard on and then you see a dip in, in what you're doing. So um, I do agree with you there for sure. So what I want to do now is kind of shift gears. Um, I, I didn't ask you this before, but I don't know if you've ever hosted a podcast, but you're about to now, right? So I'm going to give you the microphone. You're going to be in the driver's seat. And if you have any questions you want to ask me, now is your opportunity to do that as the podcast host of B2B Made Simple. Cool. So um, I am no webmaster, uh, but it sounds like you definitely have some much more experience in this area than I do. So my question for you is, um, 
you know, what is the most common problem that you see on your, your clients' websites? Uh, and, and what advice do you have for the rest of us as to how to kind of protect against, um, against that on, on our, on our own sites? Mm -hmm. Um, I've mentioned this before, but I'll try to repackage it a little bit. Uh, the biggest problem that I see on, on B2B SaaS websites, especially is companies don't take into consideration where their traffic is coming from. So for example, one company might have a go-to-market strategy of we are SEO heavy. And when you do that, your website has to reflect that. So you're going to have a really deep website, tons of pages trying to get ranked on for whatever it is that you want to get ranked for, right? You're going to be educating the market on what you do through your website. And then you have the other side of the spectrum who might be doing paid advertising, educating their market with content. Maybe they're killing it on LinkedIn organic with the content that they're putting out. And their buyer is actually extremely educated on what the company does. And in that case, their website can be very streamlined. It doesn't have to be massive. It needs to be easy to get a demo, even up in the right-hand corner, put a call to action. And it's more call to action driven instead of education driven. I think that's the biggest issue I see with these B2B companies is they don't take that into consideration. And for example, they, they have this SEO driven website, their traffic is coming, they don't know anything about the brand. And then it is, it's sending them to this streamlined website, or it's the reverse where they have this massive website that's unnecessary. When your buyer, because you've been educating them in awareness channels, is ready to buy, and they get to the website and they're overwhelmed, when it just needs to be like, hey, this is how you get a demo. And I think companies need to take that into consideration more, like where is the traffic coming from and how should we reflect that and make it easy and a good experience for someone on our website? Because when someone comes to the website, they could be brand new and not know anything about your company, or they might be like 90, 95% of the way ready to convert. And they're just coming to legitimize and make sure that you're the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, and I think, um, you know, I, I can certainly talk about my the current experience that we're having with my company's website so i think that uh our website was built more for that you know that that seo focus like you mentioned mm -hmm. um where we've got a lot of different pages and sub pages and uh and and when i came into the company the the content strategy was was really revolving around around seo um it wasn't high quality content. It was focused on, mm -hmm. on, you know, uh, a little bit of keyword stuffing and, um, and, and trying to kind of rank for individual things and drive traffic to the site. Well, I'm not interested in, in, you know, taking that, that approach anymore. Um, and so, you know, what we are trying to do now, which is really do more of that education on awareness channels, uh, and we're driving people back to our, our, our site and, um, you know, our conversion rates are, are, are not great. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, short of, of, of building an entirely new site, um, you know, what advice would you have for, for someone in a, in a position like mine, where you have a, a website that was maybe built for, or with intentions of, of something that our, our marketing team is not currently really practicing? Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest things is just cut the fluff. I mean, I guess you can do like some surgery on the site, eliminate pages that are just there for random keywords, right? I'm sure that there are some on there if that was the strategy before. Get rid of that. The second thing this is not hard to do is um, get some call to actions. Make sure they're there. I'm not sure what's on your site right now, but if it's book a demo, like make it easy to book a demo. Yeah. Repeat a couple call to actions down the page. Like that's not hard to make a change to, right? Um, the second thing would be like, remind them why they're there. 
So like they need to know, okay, this is, so if they land on our website, it's websites, right? Oh, I'm getting a website. Just remind them what you do and don't make it hard for them to remember or figure it out. Again, you're in your case, you've been pumping them education. Like they're a lot more apt to buy now because they've been seeing you in an awareness channel. Simply make it easy for them. Just don't overload them with content. Don't let them get to your website and be completely overwhelmed. It should be like two clicks, fill out a form to get a demo and and they're good to go. Yeah, remove the friction points, right? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. That would be uh, my suggestion to you. Yeah, yeah. I I hear you on that one and uh, work in progress. You got it, man. We'll keep it up. Um, cool. Well, let's go ahead and close this out. The way I like to do it is I just like to hear what you guys are doing at Lead Space. Um, so give us like the 30 second rundown or elevator pitch of what you guys have going on. Yeah. So Lead Space is a B2B CDP, a customer data platform. Uh, and so we are a company that will um, ingest any of your data sources, first party, third party, you name it. Uh, and apply a little uh, artificial intelligence once we've got it in our CDP and then plug into really any, um, any activation channel that, uh, mm-hmm. that you've got. So we, um, we typically work with, uh, with enterprise-sized companies that have really complex uh, marketing ecosystems, you know, multiple CRMs or multiple marketing automation platforms. Um, and, and we really help unify all that data in one spot, um, making it much easier for them to, to utilize all those insights. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a year of evolution for lead space. And right now we are all about data unification. There you go, man. Um, one last thing, where can people find you if they want to follow some of your content or what you do on, on social media? Sure. So yeah, find, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on there. Maybe not as active as you, but um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. But what I can say with certainty is I'm the only Tory Kinlick on, on LinkedIn. So um, I, that might be my, my claim to fame, if you want to call it that. There you go, man. All right. Well, I appreciate you hopping on uh, the podcast here. This has been a good talk. Um, always love riffing on marketing. Uh, appreciate you being here and go Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go Eagles. Right. That's what you <laughs>